0: Hello, you're listening to No Such Word As Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today I get to welcome the sister authors Elizabeth and Helen, otherwise known by the pen name Elizabeth Helen, to the podcast. Welcome! Hi, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us. (laughs) I am so excited to sit down and chat with both of you today. You're Book has taken well books I should say. The second one just came out, uh has taken over Book Talk. How do you guys feel? Ah, uh, very excited. It feels a bit surreal. Um,
1: but we're just so happy that everybody is enjoying the story and we get to talk to people about what we
2: really love. Absolutely we had so much fun uh, writing this story and coming up with these characters so it's so special that other people have said that they feel connected to the characters and that you know it's a comfort read for them or they're just
0: having fun reading
2: it so that's Mm -hmm. everything we could have dreamed of.
0: That's amazing and obviously you guys write together like that's a bit of a different dynamic, you know, because I think most people when they talk about authors or writing, it's quite a lonely pursuit. You know, you kind of did a lot of it by yourself. Um what was why did you guys decide to start writing together?
2: We've been writing together since we were little little kids. Like I think, you know, we've always been interested in stories and and writing books, and we both, you know, dabbled in it even in like elementary school drawing our own novels and things like that um and so we we started writing when we were teenagers together where Helen would um like write the the draft or the first outline Mm -hmm. and then I would take it to the computer and add my own spin on it (laughs) and it sort of evolved from there yeah our
1: process has changed over the years but it is quite strange cuz I couldn't imagine like writing a book on my own like it's just so collaborative and I'm like who would I ask this question to <laughs> mm-hmm. and things like that. So I know it's strange but it's like I don't know if I could write a book on my
2: own.
0: <laughs> it sounds really nice like yeah. you kind of have like that immediate sounding board of mm-hmm. someone who really understands what you're trying to do like I imagine you could go with a chapter and be like hey am I going in the right direction with this. So Let's talk a little bit about the process of writing together. So, are you still at the point where Helen kind of comes up with the first idea and then you reevaluate it together, or how do you guys start out? Uh, no, it's changed now. Um, at this point, when
2: we knew we wanted to write, um, we wanted to start the Beast of the Briar series. We didn't know what we wanted to write about. We we just knew we wanted to try writing in our wide shoes and go in a more romantic direction. So we we just go for long walks and we throw out every idea you could possibly imagine, tons of terrible ideas, until we find one and we're like, oh. That one sounds exciting. Mm -hmm. So for that, it was the idea of a beauty and the beast retelling. Um, And then from there, we continue sort of this idea of like long walks and brainstorming where we just talk about characters and tropes we love and different elements. And then we we sort of have a um, nailed it down to like a week long plotting boot camp we call <laughs> it where we write um, a really thorough outline together so we have a whiteboard and we you know throw out all of our ideas line them up into an outline and then from there we sort of shape them together into chapter by chapters like clean ideas. And then we divvy it up. So Helen will take 50% of the chapters and I'll take the other 50%. That's always a bit of a game. We're always like, who's going to get which
1: (laughs) chapter? And we try and make it even of like the fun ones and the more action ones and the more
2: spicy ones. Totally. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then from there, um, we write our first drafts and then we go through and switch work and edit each other's work and um sometimes I
1: add on to one of her scenes or she'll add on to one of mine so near the end like it does get very merged but the first draft is written we each take a chapter
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so yeah it really is collaborative all the way through that's really interesting Mm -hmm. um you know I'd always thought if you were writing a book together that it would make more sense to take like certain characters each how do you guys keep you know that voice and the characterization consistent if you guys are both writing everyone that's a good question I think we we're
2: very similar like we have um we're not twins but we get asked for twins a lot because we are very much on the same wavelength on most Mm -hmm. things so I think that makes it easy um with ours we do have several main characters and several point of views in our chapters. So for the boys, there are a couple that we do sort of more divvy up like Helen mostly mm-hmm. does Dayton I have written a couple Dayton's but you have done yeah. most of Dayton I do most of Ezran although I'm writing my
1: first Ezrin scene we're writing the third book as we as we speak and I'm going to be writing my first Ezrin scene today so oh that's right I think if yeah. we get further into writing the books now we're in book three we've read each other's work so much and we know the characters so well that I mm-hmm. think it's easy to drop into any character and like I've read so many say of Elizabeth's Scenes of Ezra, and then I'm like, that's the tone, that's how he speaks. Right. Total. So I can kind of imitate it and like find other ways to take him. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And and same with Rosalina's definitely our most 50-50. Um, and I think we just we work, we do so much on the back end before we even get down to writing that we have such a, a solid idea of who she is how she reacts to things. It's almost a little bit like improv in a way, you know, you sort of, um, you just stick yourself in the character's shoes. And, you know, I think that the work we do on the back end really helps with that.
0: Yeah. And you guys um, are a little writing machines at the moment. You're already <laughs> writing book three, which is scheduled. Is it scheduled to come out this year? I saw like a... A in date December release. <laughs> like, yeah how are you guys writing like three books a year like where did you <laughs> get the motivation <laughs>
1: um we've always known that like our dream job is to be full-time authors mm. and we've just despite like have just decided to never give up on that and I think it's been very motivating this year to have a series that has resonated with so many people mm. and um I yeah I feel like I'm writing fast but then also you look at some other indie authors and you're like they can put out a book a month or every three months and ours is about four to six and I'm like that's pretty crazy for us so
0: over here with like one a year yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know so
1: yeah I guess we're kind of in the middle but I think like when you have a story and characters you really love it's easy to like be motivated by like the fans I think mm-hmm. is how I write so fast because I'm like feedback I, mean, helps. I, I know the what stories to come and I can't wait for them to experience these things mm-hmm. we've been planning
2: yeah absolutely it's definitely um it definitely is hard the the pace and I think it's because we've struggled for over a decade to get here at this point it's we're just like let's keep the hustle going let's mm-hmm. Let's uh, live in this moment and um, try and provide as much content as we can. Um, but yeah, it definitely, <laughs> there's not a lot of work-life balance at no. the moment, <laughs> that's
0: for sure. <laughs> so you said, you know, this series is a little bit different to things that you'd written before. You wanted to go in more of a rom- romanticy kind of direction, why-choose. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Beauty and the Beast retelling. Why are we all obsessed with it? I
2: mean, so we are like full on the definition of Disney adults. Like we are obsessed (laughs) with all the fairy tales, the romance, the adventure. Um, And I think like Beauty and the Beast is such a universal story. Uh, It's got that magic idea of going out from a life that maybe you don't feel fulfilled in, or you don't feel like, you know, Belle is a a dreamer, right? So you've we can all put ourselves in her shoes Mm. and then going into this mysterious world of magic and enchantment and um, finding your place there in a world that other people might find scary or different. Um, And, you know, I think also Belle um, is a a book person, you know, and we can all relate to that Mm -hmm. if we're readers. So I think there's a lot of things you can relate to in the story and it's just got so much fun to play so many things you can play around with for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Every yeah,
0: everything you said. <laughs> so where did the idea of giving, well, let's say your bell, Rosalina, mm-hmm. uh, four princes? <laughs> um, I think
1: we were very interested in the why choose genre. I hadn't read too much of it before, but I learned about it on book talk and we saw that people were really interested in it. Mm-hmm. And so we read a couple books and I I wasn't quite what I expected. I I thought that books would be like all spice but it's actually um, one thing we found we really like about the y choose genre is you get to have four really in-depth male characters Mm -hmm. and because usually you only have like the female protagonist and like one really fleshed out male character and you get to see how these boys or men act with each other Mm -hmm. and like their relationships and it's very like we love writing characters the most. So you can get really in depth with a bunch of characters, I think is fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think so many of us were exposed yeah. to different genres when book talk yeah. came yes, around. we <laughs> like, oh, what's this? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think um, what about the discussion with regards to spice levels? I feel like that can be kind of controversial in book talk. There's some people that really hate spice, there's some people that can't get enough of it. Personally, I'm like in the middle. As long as there's plot, I don't care. You can give me none, you can give me all of it. If there's a plot, I don't care. What do you guys say when trying to, like, you should never try to placate your readers? Like, you're not writing specifically for who's reading it, you're telling your story. uh What are your thoughts on spice levels? Totally. I mean, I think, like, many
2: um, people on Book Talk, uh, Sarah J Maas was like a gateway into the idea of having a really heavy, magical world with lots of world building um, and lots of uh, action and plot, as well as saying, hey, look, you can also have this really sweeping love story that has lots of spice. And so when we sort of started diving into romanticy and, and seeing that people were hungry for these um, worlds that were fleshed out with magic systems and character arcs, but also um, having all that spicy Mm -hmm. stuff on the side, we thought that was just so fun. Um, And to be honest, um, compared to many books, we thought our book was, we thought (laughs) Bonded by Thorns was very spicy. We thought this is the spiciest Mm -hmm. thing in the world and we put it out and we've been told it is not very spicy (laughs) and that it's a slow burn so as you can see like everybody's
0: uh sort of scale of spice spice, yeah is very very different for my scale of spice it was it wasn't super spicy it wasn't (laughs) like this is gonna burn the next day this was this was like i've got a little tingle in my mouth yeah you know i'll i'll keep reading um (laughs) With regards to the spice level and obviously the four princes, you guys have got what? It's a total of seven books. Is that correct? You guys seven book series. Yeah. Um. Have you guys ever had any arguments of which prince is going to get his moment next? Have you guys ever like fought with each other of no, he needs some more time now or. I, I don't think we've ever thought about it.
1: The Mm -hmm. progression and like what books come next is very, um, it just kind of flowed how we want the story to go. Mm -hmm. And we've definitely gone back and forth and had discussions about like, what's the plot's going to be happening. But like, for example, for this next book, Um, we had a discussion very early on and something unexpected is happening at the beginning of it. And we're like, this is just right for these characters. And I think I brought that up with Elizabeth. And then she's like, yeah, okay, this actually makes sense for where these arcs are going. So I don't think we've ever had an argument. No,
2: (laughs) we knew very early on that it just felt right for Farron to get his moment first. Um, And that was just because of his relationship with Rosalina and his ties with Rosalina. Um, And so everything, the discussion of whose book comes next is very much built on how do we wanna keep their arc going? What level do we wanna keep their arc at? And um, what do we think is gonna be the most impactful? So it's more, yeah, we kind of have discussions and throw different ideas until we feel like, oh, that one feels right.
0: I would like to um, formally submit uh, a request for some more Caspian and Kildarian, (laughs) please. I will say we are getting some more in book three. (laughs) Some reveals. Yes, some big reveals happening. (laughs) Amazing. And also, um, have you guys, obviously your sisters, obviously you're very close. Uh, Have you guys ever felt embarrassed by writing spicy scenes together? Or are you guys very much like, hey, this is just, we're open about it. It is what it is. Um, I think it's like gone in levels mm-hmm. so
1: we started off writing young adult and I remember like sending like a makeout scene <laughs> to Elizabeth and be like oh my gosh I'm so embarrassed <laughs> and um, I think it's just like slowly we've built it up and we also have been like reading more so for example like you've suggested books for me to read that are very spicy mm-hmm. and I think I'm like okay I get this is what's in the genre and what's in the book
2: yeah it's it's now at the point where we'll be like cooking lunch and like being like oh okay so in this scene we should probably (laughs) have this happen and you know and you know it's it's as um as romantic we hope as romantic as it sounds when you read it the plotting and the um the creation is almost clinical in a way at this point where it's, it's- like a recipe yeah. yeah exactly 100% yeah I think like the planning
1: is very clinical but then also like I can like get into the story and like blush when I read a very like spicy scene that Elizabeth writes and stuff but I don't think we get embarrassed about it anymore it's just part of what we do yeah
0: <laughs> that's great I I mean I, th- I think that's fantastic my mother is now banned from uh reading all of my all of my books that's that's just <laughs> not gonna happen i'm probably for the best (laughs) hard no to that one um have a dark sense of humor and love books look no further than parody bookmarks and stickers by bunsey book club love to hate colleen hoover want to make fun of your favorite main characters there's a bookmark out there for you find them now at bunseybookclub.com or at bunsey book club on socials You guys, obviously, this isn't the first book series that you've written, but it would be, you know, the first that has really, to say, you know, become a big success. And and it really, really has. Uh, You guys are both indie authors. Uh, I'm a big, I'm an indie author myself. I'm a supporter of indie authors. Um, What made you guys decide to go that route?
1: Um, I think it was just seeing some other uh, indie authors succeed at it. And we had been trying to traditionally publish for a long time. Uh, We had an agent and a book of our heart. Like we wrote, we had spent years on a single book and it went on submission. It went to like acquisition, which is like the stage right before it would get published. And it got denied every time. And it was very, very heartbreaking. And I think during lockdown, we were watching a lot of TikTok videos and seeing indie authors actually get their stories out there. Mm
0: -hmm. And it was a
1: whole new world for us to discover and realize I didn't hadn't realized it was actually possible. Even before that, I thought there was only traditionally published and I knew about self-publishing, but I think I just didn't understand how big of a world it was. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And you know, something with us is we've always had very specific visions Mm -hmm. of our story and I think our stories sort of have a unique sense of humor or a unique sense of Mm -hmm. um, magic and characterization. And, you know, it didn't always fit into what was being published in at that time, we were really into YA, um, the YA fantasy, it just wasn't fitting the mold. And so... With indie, um, you really have this opportunity to show off what you love and find your audience. There's less gatekeeping and, you know, especially with TikTok, we owe so much to TikTok and you just have this, uh, this, um, platform to find other like-minded people who like your sort of weird Mm -hmm. style or, you know, your sense of humor. So that's, um, that's why Indie has, is just been so wonderful. And we find the Indie author community so open and wonderful and so kind. Like we've learned so much from other Indie authors and like, everyone is like
1: helping everyone else succeed. And I think that's just so lovely. And yeah, just without like, the big like you don't have to fit in quite a mold like there's room for everybody because these yeah. readers just want the stories and totally book um, talk is like change things like that it's like a, a indie explosion I think the last couple years
2: absolutely and you know talking about that you know I find in the indie author community if you see something really wonderful happens to another indie author you're just like it's like it then it overflows like it's like that's amazing for them readers are going to find their books and they're going to want other books like it so yeah. Um, for example, Emily Rath um, recently published a Why Choose Hockey Romance. And just like, I feel like with her success, she's bringing Why Choose to um, readers who would never try it before. And that overflows too. So it's like this wonderful sort of explosion of um, of readers from one author to another. So yeah, it's just
0: been really amazing. I'll always say that um, stories will find their way to readers in the end no matter no matter how you go about it and um I made a TikTok the other day actually saying in response to a comment from someone you know very uneducated saying oh if you're an indie author it just means you're not talented enough to get oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that is the standard Um, Totally. (laughs) and I put it into the perspective of other creatives you know if you're if you're a singer for example there's so many talented singers that don't have record deals like the having of a record deal does not make you a talented singer. There's plenty of singers who are not very talented that have record deals. Um, and I think the wonderful thing about going the indie route is like you said, there's no more gatekeeping. We have the option to get our stories out there by ourselves, which, which is just incredible. And I'm so glad that you guys did it because now we get to read some fantastic stories. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. And yeah, like I,
2: I do think it would a, a why choose Beauty and the Beast retelling probably would have scared off, you know, uh, if we were just queried it or whatever. So yeah, it's been really wonderful mm-hmm. to, to get to share that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's so much in the traditional space, you often have to change aspects of your story to kind of fit in with what your agent wants or what the publishing house wants. Um, and there's a lot of authors that simply don't want to do that. You know, they, they have this vision in their head, and they're like, no, this is the story I want to tell. And I don't particularly want to change that. Um, yeah, I think, good on you guys. Yeah, you. <laughs> is, there, is there a secret to success in the indie route or is it just a lot of hard work and having a, a good TikTok presence?
1: Um, I think those are very important. I do think it's important to sort of know what readers are interested in in the moment. So I think a few years ago, YA fantasy was really, really big and it still is. Um, I think a lot of the book talk readers, at least in the circle I'm in, because probably my for you page is curated to this, like the spicy fantasy now, and that's sort of a trend. So I think it's important to know who you're writing for. And this is something I think that we had us like not have that much success before was we weren't really sure who we were writing for. We were writing for ourselves, just ourselves. And I thought that was enough. But Mm. I do think it is important to know the market and know what readers are interested in and then giving them the best story of your heart that you can that they would like if that makes sense <laughs>
2: yeah and then you know I think our motto this whole mm-hmm. way has just been be too stubborn to fail yes <laughs> um which is like we we did um indie publish another series before going into beast of the briar and we had success with it not anywhere near what beast of the briar has seen um and we just knew like there, there's more for us here like we can find it if we keep digging and digging and digging and so it really was um, uh, I, I guess a, an act of grit and yeah. and stubbornness to to keep pushing even when you know the long days and the and the rejection
0: sort of starts to get to you mm-hmm. yeah I feel like as well the more you do it the better you get at it you know practice makes perfect at the end of the day and I think especially for creatives that's very true you know you guys are about to write a seven book series you know (laughs) for the majority of authors just writing one book is a challenge so you know did you guys know that it was going to be seven books from the outset or was that a bit of a kind of work in progress?
1: I think it was always the dream to write seven from the beginning because before we started Beasts of the Briar we're like what's the long-term projection for this and this is before we actually had bet on ourselves quite a bit with this Beasts of the Briar book because we were starting a brand new pen name um we commissioned the audiobook which are quite pricey for um indie authors before the book had even came out so we're like hopefully this Mm -hmm. may uh it was a bet (laughs) and um I think we knew we wanted it ideally to be seven because we wanted to make sure each of the boys got a story in their realm and we wanted a finale book to tie it up. And then obviously Bonded by Thorns was the intro book. So that was always our big plan. And we knew each big reveal for each book. And then once Bonded by Thorns had its success, we like sat down and like said plotted like what would big moments would be in each book. (laughs) Yeah, it just felt natural. It
2: did. I think for us, we get very, very, very attached to our characters um, and, you know, maybe to our detriment at some points, but uh, it just didn't feel right to, to not give each of them their moment in their son, in the son or their, their arc. Um, And obviously, despite Farron having his book and book or his moment in book two, his arc is going to continue throughout Um, all the books but you know we really wanted to showcase this world that we have come up with and uh, though that was always the dream it wasn't until we saw people really also attached to the characters and uh, we were like oh I think that I think that we have people who are going to come with us on this on this journey
0: I think we can do it it's crazy seven book journey (laughs) yeah Well, I mean, you can, you can look at other authors that have like 10 book series and have, you know, one series that's eight books and another series <laughs> that's five books and another se- like they just go on and on. Like like I said, if you have a story to tell, you've got to tell yeah. it. Let's talk about audiobook for a moment. Um, you know, indie authors previously on this podcast as well, we've spoken a lot about how to get your physical books out there, or ebooks out there. What does the audiobook route look like for an indie author? Yeah,
1: we had we started looking at audiobooks at the beginning of the year in January and we had no idea how to do it. So basically we um went through ACX, which is Audibles version of like hiring. And we actually did this for our previous series. Um, and we had an edition from this woman, uh, Stephanie Kay, and she blew us out of the water for her edition. Um, we had so many. Um And so we ended up hiring her for that series. And we asked if she was available for Bonded by Thorns. And then we weren't sure how to find a male
2: narrator. So we searched on TikTok for (laughs) a male narrator. And And, um, Rob Brinkman came up, he's got a a great TikTok. And we were just like, oh my gosh, he sounds amazing. And we just randomly shot him an email. Um, And then from there, Stephanie, our female narrator and Rob, our male narrator, they connected. And I have to shout them out because they walked us through the entire mm-hmm. process. And I I don't think that this is necessarily the norm. I think um, a lot of times uh, indie authors will go through a company like Tantor, or um, will sell rights to companies like Tantor or mm-hmm. Podium. Um, but because we kind of took this bet so early on, we just decided we wanted to do it ourselves. So yeah, we basically produced it ourselves. I know ACX wow. has like royalty, yeah. share, but we want to pay out and we were just really
1: hoping that it would it would sell. I,
2: I look back now and I think I don't really know what we were thinking but I guess maybe we were had some sort of confidence um but really I think we absolutely lucked out by having two incredible narrators not just because we love their performances but because they were and they still to this day we're working with them to produce the the rest of the audiobooks and they are just the most two amazing people and um have really helped us learn how to be producers mm-hmm. and they take so much of that back end as well as far as um creating the whole thing and making it sound awesome so mm-hmm. you know, we just got really I think that's where the luck
0: plays into <laughs> it a lot I mean I think hard work too and I love that you guys believed in yourself so much to be like no we're gonna find our narrators yeah. we're gonna we're gonna produce this it's gonna be great how did you guys do it? Did you like rent studio time? Did you or pre- are, are one of you guys good with like sound editing? Like, uh... Uh,
1: so basically they do the whole thing. Um, so once you hire, we hired Stephanie on ACX. So we pay for her narration and then I think we also pay for her editing and mastering and then she just uploads the final files so wow. I think they both might have home
2: studios yeah so I know <laughs> Rob has a home studio and how he does it I've learned from his TikToks is he records <laughs> in his home studio um and then he sent all of his files to Stephanie because she was the one who was outsourcing with the um what are they called? I think audio engineers might yes. be the word. And they
1: make it sound pretty. Yes. And-, and
2: so she takes all of both of their raw files, sends it to her audio engineer, and that person makes it look gorgeous <laughs> and yeah, sends it back to us. And then we listen to it um, mm-hmm. and we say, oh, perfect. Or, oh, can you change this pronunciation or um, this word, et cetera. And then after that, we upload to ECX, and there it goes. Yeah.
1: So, and the audiobook has actually been very well for us. I think audiobook is a huge market right now. Yeah. I would like suggest all indie authors, if you can do it, um, to invest in that. I think there's a huge market for it, and people are very excited for the second book to come out in the fall. And I'm I'm really excited to listen to it too because I'm a big audiobook listener myself. So it's just. Yeah, it's another- I think it just
0: makes it more accessible for people who yes, yeah. you know struggle to read physical books or p- potentially aren't able to. So I think yeah, if you're if you're able to get your book in an audiobook format, absolutely do it. Um, before you guys get- go, I do want to ask you maybe the worst question that you could ask an author. Um, who's your favorite character? It oh, one's
2: so hard. I know. <laughs> I maybe because I'm writing we're writing his book right now, but I have a real soft spot for Ez. I love Ezra, <laughs> and I just love the hard on the outside, gooey on the inside kind of <laughs> character, so. Yes,
1: um, well, obviously, Rosie is so relatable. I love her, but if I had to choose one of the boys, it's probably Caspian. I just, I think there's a lot more below the surface for him, and mm-hmm. um, I can't wait for some of those reveals.
0: So for anyone who has listened to this episode and is now super excited or intrigued about what this series is, if you haven't heard of it before, where can they find it and then find you? Um, you can find the Beast of the Briar, which
2: is book one, Bonded by Thorns, and book two, Woven by Gold on Kinson Limited. Um, ebooks and paperbacks are available on Amazon and paperbacks are also available at Barnes and Noble, Indigo, and most local or most online book distributors. Mm-hmm. And um the third book Forged by Malice comes out on December 8th.
0: Just in time for Christmas. Yeah, Just, yes, a little <laughs> Christmas present.
2: <laughs> and
0: where can everyone find you guys?
1: Um you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at author elizabeth helen. Just that word yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. amazing well thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day to sit down and talk about everything writing and authoring and books and uh, I haven't actually read book two yet it's on my tbr I cannot wait to read it thank you guys so much for being here
2: thank you so much for having us thank you so much for having us
0: (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening if you have enjoyed this week's episode then please don't forget to like rate and subscribe and I will catch you all next week.